Welcome to OK Video, the career chroniclist podcast in Western Canada. I'm Nathan Rohr, formerly of Ted Rogers' very own video store, 613, and I'm joined as always by Ryan McCullough. Hey, Ryan here, formerly of all the other video stores other than Rogers. Never actually got a chance to work there, but the one that Nathan worked at on 14th Street was the envy of all like video stores in Calgary. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm here, and I'm excited to be watching movies with my friend Nathan. In our current batch, we're looking at uh, weird buddy cop movies, derivations of the popular subgenre that tried to stave off going sale, <laughs> stale by throwing their ideas in the fridge for a few months and seeing what oddities grew out of it. This week, we were looking at Dead Heat. Uh, it was directed by Mark Goldblatt. I don't know if we want to talk about the writer quite yet, but uh, it's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. It was released May 6, 1988. Uh, according to IMDb, the budget is somewhere in the neighborhood of $5 million. And it made three point five eight million. So which is not... crazy because they commissioned a sequel, right? I'm wondering if it did really well on video or something. Yeah, it must because it was like that's fair, not a big margin, like a you know. To be fair, uh, New World Pictures was like a big, like VHS market, like rental market. Yeah, studio. I can see this doing okay at a Blockbuster or a Rogers in 1988. Yes, 1989, kind of. But yeah, jumbo, jumbo video. But yeah, uh, shall shall I take the summary this week? Yeah, okay. why don't you tell us what Dead Heat is all about? Okay, Roger and Dean are partners, police partners, but <laughs> it's okay? Dean. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's very important, though, to my later review. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. It's Doug. <laughs> yeah, it's Doug. Roger and Dean, though? Oh, man. Okay, let's try that again. Ready? <clears throat> yeah. Roger and Doug are partners. Police partners, but more importantly, partners in life. They live life with each other. Day in and day out, they're living with one another. They experience life together, each life experiencing the other's life. Simply put, they live life together until one day Roger dies and Doug has to learn how to live life alone because his partner is now an undead zombie and life is out of the question for him. Join Treat Williams and Joe Piscopo as they answer life's greatest questions. How do you live a good life with an undead police partner? Dead Heat. Written by Terry Black, the other black brother. Um, which sounds weird, but Shane is apparently in this movie. We've alluded to him a bunch of times. Wait, this uh, is Shane Black's brother? This is Shane Black's brother. So the buddy cop like guru, Shane Black, who we keep talking about. Shane Black is in this movie? He's in this movie. They call they call him Patrolman. I think he's the motorcycle cop oh, that yeah. stops Treat Williams later in the movie. And he kind of stands out because it's kind of a funny scene. I straight up but, did not like see his face when I was scrolling through the. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, well, he's I got was... a helmet on and like glasses. Like it's kind of who is this? But yeah, no. Shane when Black I was dude. researching, I was I scrolled past his face. Okay. There's a lot of other people from this movie that I'm like, oh, I want to talk about this guy. But anyways, yeah. Shane Black was not on my list for sure. So. Right. Uh, early, early in this movie, I was worried I screwed up and like, they're just cops because they're just already buddies and they're just driving to a robbery and it's like, neither of these people are a zombie. Like, what did I do? (laughs) But like, but fortunately within the first like 15 minutes, that is corrected in one of the two characters. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Yeah. You thought the movie was going to open with one of them being a zombie? Or, like, they get partnered, like, uh, for our other movies, it's like, hey, you, ro- rogue cop, you gotta partner up with this guy, 
but that scene just doesn't happen. They just roll into action together already. So I was just kind of. But that makes the most nervous. sense for the movie we were going to watch, though. Sure. That one of them yeah. would die because they're police partners, and death is like a normal thing for police. Okay. Yeah, this movie threw me a couple times with like odd choices, but we'll get to sorry. The, but you the thought that was an odd choice. No, not in hindsight, but I was just nervous. I didn't read the plot summary enough, and I put a movie that doesn't fit the category in. You thought, oh, so at this point in the movie when you're watching it, you thought this was just going to be a straightforward Like, just cops fighting zombies is the weird part. Oh. That's what I mean. Gotcha. Yeah, I didn't know that one of the two cops was going to get weird. Yeah, like, straight up, the the summary from IMDb is a cop and his undead partner must chase down the diabolical (laughs) villain who killed him. Right, okay, good. I, I, I'm trying to, like, stay... I hadn't seen this movie, so I was trying to, like, not know too much. Sure. Uh, but, but yeah, okay. It seemed that would go that way. The, there's, like, a badge that says zombie on it on the cover, but, yeah. So, you know how you've out. had some, like, in the past, you've had some experiences uh, watching movies and been like, whoa, is this your experience? Like, you you know, like, last week's heart condition, it was, like, the sound The problem, audio. The audio problem. Yeah. I didn't have that. This week, though... I was not watching it on Tubi. I know it's on Tubi, but I started watching the movie and I was like, whoa, something is weird. The cinematography is like everything looks zoomed in. Like everything right at the beginning of the movie looks so zoomed in. I was like, this can't be real. Like this can't be like the copy of my version of this movie that I have is garbage. It's broken. So I went it's in like and t- weird. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was just like, it was specifically the scene where they're driving out in the open uh, in the car together, and they just like have so many like meet every every shot is medium close up, and they mm. never give you any sort of wide shot at all. It's all medium close ups, and I was just like, this is like this feels too close, and it doesn't look good. So I like opened yeah. up Tubi to like open up to the same scene. No, it's just the choices they made. <laughs> like the very opening with like the two criminals driving and how close it is in their faces. You mean no, like yeah, the partners. Was... The partners is specifically the one when that it was like... too. Like Joe Piscopo is kind of like hitting on the dashboard and yeah. it's like right up in his face. So yeah, close, yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. get the sense of him hitting on the dashboard. It's just right there. Now, obviously, right. this, that might have been a budgetary thing because they're driving. I also wonder if they're cutting around how empty the streets look because later there's a scene where they're driving in Chinatown and it's just like this road is clearly closed. There's no other cars. (laughs) Like, so it's just like, wow, this looks really weird. Like they're supposed to be racing through a busy street and it's not. So we're just going to keep it in here. I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, I do want to call out the cinematographer though, because his oh, name jumped off the screen. Yeah, so yeah. I will. I definitely wanted to talk about the cinematographer because I honestly, and this Nathan, you're not going to believe me on this. Yeah, yeah. I saw this movie. I was watching it, and I was like, "This is terrible. Like, this, this cinematography is horrific." <laughs> to the point where yeah. I jumped onto Tubi, and I was like, "This can't be real. Like, this can't mm-hmm. be the real choices a human being made to make yeah. this big budget film." And no, it was. And then I was like, who is this bum? Who is this person that has never went on to direct anything again? Like, what is this? Battlefield Earth or something? Yeah. And then it's it's Robert Yeoman. And I'm just yeah. like, what is – are you joking me? you got to learn somewhere, right? Of course I don't like it. Like, of course. Okay. But, okay. Well, okay. For uh, people out there, to, like – To, to frame ahead. who this is, like, he's basically Wes Anderson's go-to guy. He is Wes Anderson's uh, he's go-to He's also guy. Paul Feig's, like, uh He's also a comedy – he's also a comedy – person as well right and you have no real issue with uh like ghostbusters 2016 no but that's not looks, like right? that's not a movie like paul feige's career is not a movie where i like not a career in which i pay attention to the cinematography though 
Okay. Do you dislike the kind of 2D framing of, of Wes Anderson's recent stuff? Or We've talked about, about this. I think... I think I, I like it was very clear to me at the very onset of Wes Anderson's career. I was like interested because I love Rush Hour. I mean Rushmore, and I love uh, Royal Tenenbaums. But as he continued down this path of like making, in my opinion, a more cartoon like cartoon caricaturization of his world, mm-hmm. it just lost interest in me because I felt I felt at some point he lost interest in the story and the characters. And started caring more and more and more about the world he was creating like visually. Like or whatever. Because, yeah. yeah, it has a very, like, artificial look or something. Yes. But occasionally there will be one that just hits a slam dunk. Hits a slam dunk for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for me it was, it's like, honestly, like. Grand slam. It wasn't until Moonrise Kingdom came out that I was just like, okay, I can't, I can't handle I this anymore. I don't like what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. up until then, like, I, I actually liked. When I first saw Darjeeling, I actually really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, and mainly, actually, it's weird because it's that one scene in Darjeeling that is actually the most real scene, but it's also the most real scene in the story, too. Oh, yeah. When they cut away and they have that great scene in the limo about their talking about, like, just after their father's funeral. Okay. And that scene I loved. Like, I loved that scene. So I, I have, like, a soft spot for Darjeeling despite its, like, limitations and not greatness. But I feel like he's contrasting with what the rest of the look is. Mm-hmm. Like, now it's time to get real with these characters, but exactly. whatever. Robert D. Yaleman, as he's credited in this, uh, this was one of his earlier films. I guess he was on some camera units for other stuff, like, prior to this, like, uh, some built, like, William Friedkin projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, this this stood out to me as, like, oh, weird, this is, like, an early credit for him. Uh, also jumping off the screen was, uh, Vincent Price. I was, I was excited that he was listed in the credits. So, oh yes. I was looking forward to him. Yep. Uh, but okay, let's, let's, uh, okay. So these, these gross criminals, they're just kind of grimy looking. They rob a, a jewelry store and then the cops roll up and just start shooting them and they get shot like 40, 50 times and they're just not going down. Uh, this also featured uh, Robert Picardo in a little bit role, which I was happy about. Mm-hmm. I like that guy. Yep. Uh, he's got a mustache. His last name's Herzog. You know, just just really as many little details as they could pack into those few seconds he was there, uh, which was fun. But let's talk about our buddies, because I feel this is like a big part of this movie's pluses and minuses. How did you feel about our duo here I so Dead Heat? They kind of like hint... That like the the like the aesthetic of what they look like, you would say, okay, one is clearly like the Riggs and the other one's the Murtaugh. Like, like one, one's wearing a suit, one's like the straight man, yeah, and one's the wild card, and he's got a leather jacket. Yeah, exactly. But then there's yeah. this very early conversation where they talk about like he's like, oh man, I I feel like so dressed up. You should have told me we we're gonna be in street clothes today. And I was like, yeah. wait, Treat isn't the straight guy, and he's not. He's really not the street guy. And especially when the movie goes on, he becomes more and more like like that last appearance of his, like his last physical appearance in the movie. Yeah. Is like he's like, oh, okay. Like he there is no straight guy in this set. They're just like they're literally just friends. It's like it's like almost like they know what the buddy cop genre should be, and they don't want to do that at all because they're just buddies. Like they're actually just friends. Yeah. It kind of doesn't yeah, there's no friction really. No. They're just they're fine. And, like, they're uh, both kind of, like, wild cards because it's, like – so Treat is the – like, he's the one wearing the suit. But in the opening scene, he's the one that does, like, the really wild cavalier, like, stunt to take down the bad guys. Right. Yeah, he does, like, a drive-by with a shotgun and, like, is just kind of 
you know, freewheeling. My favorite. Whereas <laughs> my favorite yeah, part of that Joe's scene is hiding and shooting. He moved like so. He he decides to go and takes the lieutenant's car, which is uh, Ricardo's uh, car, and yeah. he Ricardo's upset about it because of course he is because he's the lieutenant. He's the ma- like main guy in the scene, and these guys are hot shot detectives. Anyways, he takes his car, jumps in this car as these zombie bad guys are, are spraying everyone with like Uzi bullets mm-hmm. and he drives away. But it's very clear that there are two police officers that are using this car as cover and he <laughs> just drives away and they have zero cover. That's a, that's a jerk move. You shouldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> and then it was just like, the so idea- many cops get shot in oh, this man. opening. So scene. many cops get killed in the scene to, for them to be joking around with the captain afterwards. Yeah. Like, there is no, like, they joke around with the cabin. Like, the captain kind of tears them apart, but he's like, I'm only doing this because I have to, because you guys are so good at your jobs. Like, I don't want everyone else to be jealous of you. But I'm like, yeah. You just lost, like, 12 to 15 police officers. Officers. This is an insane crime that just happened. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yes, the, the, mon- the dudes at the beginning are, are zombies. As is revealed at the coroner's office, they're like, wait, these people have already been here. Yeah. And then. <laughs> And then the supervising doctor walks in and is just like, wow, that's uh, quite a dumb mistake to make. Like, he's just so condescending about it. And which, it's just like, which ends up coming like coming full circle at the end of the movie. Yeah. Because, uh, like, you need to know that for the end of the film. Like, it's, Right. Everything this guy's saying is just, like, not on the level. It's uh, Dr. McNabb, uh, played by Darren McGavin, who, uh, like, the credit that stood out to me is he's the dad in A Christmas Story. Yes. Like, that's the probably the big role. But he was a big TV guy throughout the 70s and stuff. But uh, yeah, it, it, I, I enjoyed this character. He has kind of this like game show host huckster thing going on. Like he's just obviously lying to you, yeah. but it's still fun. So yeah. Okay, let's get into the characters' names a little bit because this is going to be important later for my experience watching this movie. So Roger they... Mortis? Yeah. Roger Mortis. Mortis being Latin for death. Death, yeah. Yeah, very, very good. And Roger Mortis, that sounds kind of like rigor mortis, right? Yeah. IMDb, make sure to let you know that. Uh, Doug Bigelow is uh, Joe Piscopo's character. And they talk, they they refer to each other as Mortis and Bigelow a lot in the early goings when they're establishing, like, they're investigating this uh, pharmaceutical company, Dante. Mm -hmm. And I remembered those names. I remembered Mortis and Bigelow. Did not remember their first names. Okay. That's going to be important later. Uh, okay. In, in this, uh, Dante laboratory, there is this insane, like, uh, air pressure chamber that I assume they were setting up for, like, the third act, like, Chekhov's gun style. Yep. But, like, moments later, there's a fight with this giant, like, biker zombie thing with, like, like two heads. Something straight out of, uh, like, the best thing I can compare it to was, like, a low-rent version of, like, uh, any of the monsters from Big Trouble in Little China. Okay, Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Like, I thought its face looked crazy, though. It's got, like, an extra wide mouth. Mm-hmm. I kind of was impressed by some of the makeup they're doing. Well, they were doing... But it was a two-face. Like, he had two faces. Double face, yeah. yeah. Uh, this big, giant monster is just, like, slugging it out with everybody and causing chaos. And Roger stumbles into the chamber, and it gets closed on him. And Joe, like, uh, Bigelow, just keeps hitting Dark. the monster with a fire extinguisher forever. Yeah. And meanwhile... The room's depressurizing, and Roger dies. Yes. Uh, 
And then I was like, okay, good. This the the machine has been established at this point. We're gonna get a zombie out of this, and it's a really intuitive machine because this uh, the their doctor friend from the mortuary or whatever she she just gets it. She just like, oh, I see. You put in cause of death here and hit enter, and then you just place the body on the thing, and boom, there you go, re reanimated. So yep. I thought that was kind of fun. Uh, and then. The good news is he's back, but the bad news is he has, like, maybe 12 hours before he'll just fall apart, because it's not a very good process. Wait, like, it's the rest like, of the movie takes place only over 12 hours? Apparently, yeah. That's, uh... Like, it's it's the rest of that day and the night, and that's that's the movie timeline. Man, that... But then the last scene is in the daytime, so it's, like, the morning then. It No, I think the last scene is, like, in the middle of the night. Is it? Right. Yeah, it's, like, 4 a.m. or something, maybe. Like it's yeah, I'm pretty sure it's all considered one day. Yeah, but he he's gonna dissolute or whatever. Like he's gonna fall apart after after that time. Yeah. So kind of cool. There's like a strict timeline on like you have 12 hours to get revenge. You don't have a lot of time to screw around. <laughs> but so the thing is that they do a lot of screwing around though. Well, there's they I don't know they get attacked by some zombie dudes pretty quickly, which gets them down the right path. Like it kind of works out. Yeah, but uh, yeah, there, there's this uh, lady that worked at the Dante Pharmaceuticals that Randy James. They're they're investigating. Which oh, is that's like, the characters. Yeah, because yeah. I was like, it stuck out to me because I was like, pretty sure there was a porn star called Randy James. It's just like oh, it's okay. one of those names where it's like, oh, that's not a real name. That can't be real. Well, it's not. It's a character name. Yes. <laughs> so, is it Lindsay Frost as the actress? Yeah. Yeah. The one who's the um, like the later reveal situation. Right. Turns Pretty early almost, on. Everybody yeah. in this movie is a zombie. As it turns out, yeah, which was a kind of wild reveal in one scene, but uh, okay. Just briefly before we get to that, like, I was really worried at this juncture that Vincent Price's only appearance was going to be on this video, Will, that they're oh. looking at. I, I agree, I was worried, but at the same time, I was just so pleasantly, like, I didn't I didn't pay attention during the credits to see his name. Oh, okay. So it was just like a this delightful, like, oh, that's wonderful. That that's is Vincent. wonderful, yeah. Yeah, but he's so like emaciated, and he's just in this bed, and just like, oh, I was like, okay, this is cool, but it's kind of creepy because like this is a few years before he passes away, and yes. there was just something eerie about it to me. As part of their investigation, we then go to this butcher shop. Yes, and this is one of like the zaniest set pieces in the movie. Uh, we also get to meet this character, the butcher, played by Professor Tanaka. Oh my goodness! Who, so there, these are the, there's two people in this scene that I want to talk about because they're like really important to my childhood. Professor Tanaka is a big one because I don't know where you first came across him, but when I first came across him as the henchman in three ninjas. Okay. Uh, For me, it was the running man. He's uh, sub zero. Sub zero. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, for me, that was a later child reveal because that's movies. Very violent. He cuts off people's head with his, uh... well, if you watch the superstation version, it's less violent and makes less sense. But <laughs> but he's also yeah. in uh, Last Action Hero too, huh? Oh what? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. He's Charles Dance's buddy. Exactly. But yeah, okay. no, he um he's in like he's the main bad guy's henchman in Three Ninjas. Have you seen Three Ninjas? I have not seen Three Ninjas. What you haven't seen with Rocky, Colt, and Tum Tum? No, no. Directed by John Turtletob. <laughs> that's important. Like he would go on to direct things that I did see. Yeah. It's uh, so. it's a good kids movie. I mean, I would never sit here and say go watch it because it's probably not good, 
But if you were a kid again, Nathan, if you ever find yourself being a kid again, that's when I'd watch it because it was a dope, dope movie when I was a kid. The sequel okay. I liked too. Right. So. Uh, I'm assuming the other actor you're referring to is Key Luke. Yeah, Key scene. Luke as uh, yeah, uh, Mogwise, uh, Gizmo's original owner. Yeah, yeah, he's like so, and Robert Picardo also Gremlins too. So right when the like extra credit scroll happened, I was like, oh, Gremlins clout! <laughs> like look at that. But yeah, uh, Key Luke actually gets to be kind of sinister here. He uh, hits a button and runs away and starts like another reanimation machine that's in their butcher shop. Yeah. And then all sorts of crazy trauma esque business starts going on. Yeah, just... like this is this is really like the part of the movie where like hit me home. Like this isn't a studio film. That this is like like this is a studio that was used to be run by Roger Corman just like two years before. And okay. I was like, this is where it really settled in. I was like, oh, this is exactly the type of movie we're watching. Right. Like, all all the animals that are in this butcher shop are now zombie animals. Yes. And there's just, like, a pig attacking Joe Piscopo. There's, like, a bunch of chickens just wriggling around. Yeah. And, like, a duck and a liver or something. Like, it looks like just, like, organ meat just yeah. attacks Treat Williams. But it's so funny because face. it's, like, it's not, it's clearly not attacking them as much as he's just holding this piece of meat he's on like his holding face. holding it onto his face and Because it's not, out. it's not wriggling. It's literally just a piece of meat that he's holding onto his face. Oh, my gosh. It's, yeah. This scene, like, uh. it was nuts. And I... I felt it was sort of undercut, though, by this recurring thing that's happening with Joe Piscopo, where he's just kind of commenting on what's going on. Well, yeah, because Joe Piscopo, at this point, had just left Saturday Night Live, and he, when he was on Saturday Night Live, he was, like, one of the two big leads. And, obviously, yeah. Eddie Murphy was the other one who went on to have, like, a very successful TV, like movie career. Mm-hmm. So, I just think, I think this was his, like, oh, Joe, just say something funny here. Yeah, like, earlier at the pharmaceutical place, he's kind of like the, he has no filter, I guess, is kind of the joke. Like, they're like, oh, we make kind of sensitive products here. It's like, oh, you mean like hemorrhoid cream and stuff for crabs? And it's like, yes, yes, that's what I mean. Thank you. Thanks for saying that, Doug. (laughs) And, like, it's just, he's just, like, I got so many groans and eye rolls out of Joe over the course of this movie. Oh, yeah. Like, his material, I feel, is like, oh, this is 1988. Like, this is where it's the most dated is some of the stuff he's saying. Oh, like, just well, casual chauvinism. Well, and even, like, no, but, like, this this movie, like, this really proved to me, like, I've seen a bunch of his uh, Saturday Night Live stuff with Eddie Murphy. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, he was the straight guy. Joe was the straight guy to Eddie? Yes. Okay. So yeah. it's like, okay, like, this is, he's funny, but he's not Eddie Murphy level funny. It's like Chris Kattan and Will Ferrell. Like, obviously one's not a straight guy, but who's funny and then who's funnier? Mm-hmm. Like, where's yeah. what's Chris Kattan doing? Like, yeah, yeah. No, I, I was, I at some point I wrote down like Dane Cook vibes or something from from Joe. It's like the Dane Cook of the eighties. Yeah. Like it's like it's kind of funny, but when it's really like you're left with it for a while, it's just like, no. Yeah. I don't know. I and okay. This is demonstrated by this turn in the plot that happens where the the two, like, okay, Treat and uh, Lindsay go off to investigate the case, mm-hmm. and they just leave uh, Doug standing on the side of the road. And I was just kind of like, oh, is this like a bit? Are they going to come back to get him? And the camera kind of holds on him for a moment, and I was just like, what is going on? Like, they're just leaving? Like, okay. Well, they needed to. And then- 
they go to investigate like what's up with Vincent Price's character. They find this phone number. There's a couple little detective beats there. And then they come back to the house and Doug is dead. <laughs> at, at the 58 mark, one of the other the other partners dead and in my brain I'm like, "Okay, cool. He'll be reanimated very soon." <laughs> yeah. And then it it was like minute okay, this is a confession on my part that like I was I this is where the name thing comes in. They were like, "Oh my gosh, Doug is dead." <laughs> and I wrote down a note, "Who's Doug? Who is that?" <laughs> And then they just move on because something way crazier happens like 30 seconds later yeah. where uh, – what's her name? Randy? Yeah. Like she, she's kind of like, I have something to tell you. Yes. I'm dead too. And then she just starts like full on shining, like just melting and falling apart. Like her hand yeah. ages like 100 years in a moment. Yeah. And then she just collapses into ooze and like – her severed head is talking still and it's just this insane scene i was like is this a dream what is happening and forgot all about this mysterious doug that was in a fish tank and like discolored and looked all weird and then yeah 15 minutes go by with just no joe piscopo in this movie and i will say i was like enjoying the movie way more well okay like treat williams okay so uh once I like categorized in my head what kind of movie I was watching, yeah, I kind of like stopped regarding it as like like oh okay, and then like, oh like once the chickens and everything you're like oh this is like a B grade crazy movie yes. okay, and then I yeah. stopped really like regarding it in any type of like study fashion, and this happens and I was like bum fuzzled I was like what is <laughs> happening like why would you take out one of the two partner cops an hour into the film and then not immediately have like Roger immediately be like, I have a resurrection machine. Let's go use it to bring my friend back. But they just like forget about him and leave him until the final act. And then here's the thing that was like, this is the most hilarious thing to me in this movie. Uh, At the end of the movie, uh, after, after costume change, because like slowly throughout the, like throughout the night, treat Williams is like, He's getting like paler and having darker eyes, but then yeah. he like disappears off screen to change, and he comes back and he is like full like punked out. Like he's got spiky hair. His flesh is very white and translucent. He's like right. they're like next leveling zombieing him, and it's kind of silly. But anyways, he's gonna go do a final attack against the big bad guys, and he gets there, and the uh, the doctor, the mort- mortician, like the morgue head doctor, uh, we find yeah, out McNabb, that he's. Yeah. He's the one that's, like, masterminding this whole situation of the resurrection table. I won't get into the more of the detail plots. We'll talk about that in a second. But he has went and collected Doug and reanimated Doug. But he's, like – and this is okay. This is very important that he says this. He's, like, he was dead for so long that now he's brain dead because Treat Williams sees Doug and he's, like, hey, partner. Like, let's go take on these bad guys. And he's, like, he won't hear you. He's brain dead. And then so he's, the bad he, guy says, kill yeah. him. And he goes and kill him. And then Treat continues to talk to him, like continues yeah. to remind him of things. And it like the script didn't want to write a dumb Doug or a simple Doug. So he, they just have him wake up and then come to his senses. And then he's fully back to his old Doug personality. Almost immediately. Yeah. And the thing that brought him back was so unfortunate to me because it's like one of the most dated bits like earlier in the movie when uh roger is starting to realize like he's getting pale and like looks crappy he buys some lipstick and 
Doug just does this kind of like lispy stereotype voice about like, it brings out your eyes. And it's just a terrible dated old joke. And then that's the thing that Roger says to him that makes him go, oh yeah, I remember everything about myself. And then he just goes back to I'm no to, longer like, brain dead. I'm, I'm no, no longer, longer brain dead. Yeah, As a zombie, I healed myself. I just, yeah, the my short-term memory activated my brain or something, and my crappy sense of humor. And what's so silly about, nerves and, yeah. about this version of, of zombies, all the henchmen yeah. are very zombie-like. They move zombie-like, they act zombie-like, they talk zombie-like. But yeah. Treat Williams is like, he is fully emoting all the way along. He never really, I wanted a, like, I wanted in my brain a zombie where it was like, like, you remember the end of Shaun of the Dead? Right, where Nick Frost is, is just is fully to yeah, he's just fully a zombie, but he's still like Nick Frosting it, but he's like a, a little... zombie version of it. Yeah, and they're he's playing still video my games. Friend. We can still play Time Splitters. Yeah, yeah. And he's like he's like like using his fist on the buttons for the PlayStation Two controller, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, that's funny because that's what he didn't realize. But now he's a zombie, so he's brain dead, so he doesn't know how to do all the things. That yeah. is not this movie. True Williams somehow gets a magic pass to be like fully like intelligent the entire time decaying right. everywhere but his brain is still sharp as attack i'm trying to think if they're explaining it like the some of those zombie henchmen have been alive longer than 12 hours or they were brain dead right at the outset or something but so is joe but, piscopo but so is joe piscopo and it just does not matter yeah they just kind of throw it out like yeah. they're just like whatever yeah exactly and yeah the okay the way uh, that Treat really, like, upgrades his zombiness is in this, like, crazy uh, ambulance accident mm-hmm. that was, t- like, at the outset, like, okay, McGavin and Key Luke, they're just kind of going to lock him in this ambulance and let him die Yeah, is their scheme. But yeah. it's like, wait, all he has is, like a, like, a handcuff on. This is, like, Gerald's game with no stakes at all. <laughs> like, it's just, like... Oh, I'll just rip off my hand, like, whatever. Because he's dead. He doesn't yes. feel anything. Yep. So all he does is, like, just stretch out, rips his flesh a little bit, but who cares, and kicks the brake, like, the parking brake, and then the ambulance just rolls down the street and explodes. <laughs> <laughs> and then he he climbs out, and he looks like all crazy Terminator punk kind of thing. Yes. And then, yeah. And this is still, like, the frame of movie with no Piscopo at all. And then he just goes full Terminator and, like, breaks into the place. And this is also the part where we get, like, the delicious Vincent Price scene mm-hmm. where he, like, comes back and is just trying to sell all these rich people on this, like, immortality technology. Which, in all fairness, like, uh, his daughter, the one who disintegrates in a moment, she wasn't decaying. She just had to keep re-upping with new drugs and she just wasn't able to take her latest right. dose. Th- they kind of established that she she was, like, uh, more like the daughter he never had. Yeah. Like, there there's that is is discussed. But there's also pictures of this guy, Laudermilk, like uh, Vincent Price's character with Ronald Reagan, which I just thought was a fun little like Republican shade callback to last week's episode where like the corrupt senator was part of Bush's cabinet or whatever. So, yeah, just I don't know. But I mean, I guarantee you I could probably find a Vincent Price, Ronald Reagan, like photo. Maybe they did meet. Why not? Because they probably started a movie together. They're both B actors. Played tennis. Oh, sure. Yeah. Actually, yeah, the grade of movies that Ronald Reagan was in, that that might work. Yeah, uh, Vincent is great in this scene. Like, I he just gets to do all of his oh, yes. his quirky stuff. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. fun. No, when um, I like as soon as I saw him, I was like, okay, 
there's at least like a level of deliciousness that like that some of these like these type of actors uh, like Vincent Price and Key Luke like bring that like like even like Robert Picardo in that one scene like these B actors that really like emote and overact. The fact yeah, that they, they know to, the notes they need to hit. Yeah. Yes. The fact that they Whereas, get a chance is just great. Right. We're, I feel that's one of the key things weird about it, though, is, like, Joe only hits one note. Yes. And I was just irritated by that note, <laughs> like, most of the time. I was actually really relieved when he's, like, out of the movie for a while, even though I didn't know why or what was going on. Like, I was waiting for him to be the guy that saves him from the ambulance. I was like, how would that happen? He's dead. I was yeah. like, oh, that was who that was. Okay. <laughs> I was so I couldn't believe how stupid it was in hindsight. Like I rewatched that part to be like, how did they like introduce that he's not with them? Yeah. And it's just the drive away from him scene. And then we never see Living Doug until like the final ten minutes. Yeah. Like it's just it's oh, it's And then they walk off choice. into the sunset with each other. Cracking jokes about like being a bicycle seat and parodying the Casablanca line. Yes. I guess. It's like, this looks like the end of A Beautiful Friendship, because the movie's over and we're going to die. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, th- okay, they do throw the term Death Day around a lot. I'd never really heard that outside of the new Death Day movies. So I thought that was kind of funny, that okay. they're just constantly talking about it. Because like, hey, we have the same Death Day. We should, you know, have a party or something. It's like, okay. I Okay. Did you like Treat in this as he gets crazier? Because that was kind of the refreshing thing for me. Is like once he gets to be a little more crazy in the final 20 minutes, I thought he was in his comfort zone. And that was like better. Uh, It's tough. I Okay, so Treat Williams was first and foremost the dad on Everwood. Okay. So like he's, yeah. he's Ephraim's dad on Everwood. And so that's how I first got introduced to him. And then obviously after that it was Deep Rising. So, I don't know. I've always been a fan of Treat, but I just, I didn't feel like, I felt like he was playing down the whole time. Like, he knew that this was... To this material? Yeah. Like, he should be better than this? No, it's like, almost like he felt like he was better than it, too. Which is fine, because I think he is. Because this is Mm -hmm. the guy who started in, like, Once Upon a Time in America. Uh, He, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I didn't have fun in that last sequence as much as it sounds like you did. Well, like, I'd been told about the scene where, like, he just has a shootout with a henchman, and neither of them are dodging yes. anything, and they're just getting shot, like, 50 times, yep. and it kind of just has, like, a funny Evil Dead-type comedy Correct. to it, like, it's just insane squibs, and, like, they're not reacting at all, and then he just throws a grenade in with him and closes the door, and yep. it's like, that's over the top, like, that's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Like, once he gets to just be alone and be the guy it was kind of like okay i like what's i like the vibe of this like i felt this movie closed well like the last sure yes i'll give you that it closed well but mainly for me it was because the villains were starting to eat up the camera a lot oh sure once they get to drop the facade and just be cackling and and shooting and freaking out and whatever yeah it it gets a lot fun uh we didn't really like i was kind of bummed out professor tanaka doesn't return as a zombie yeah like he's just no he was just alive and we shot him it's like mm-hmm. oh sure yeah okay. they're not all kind dead is what, wasn't that the line yeah like they're freaking out with all these geese and everything and then just shoot him once and he dies and it's just like oh they're not all zombies yeah. we did it it's like <laughs> okay well kind of a waste but okay uh yeah i i think where this movie sits for me is like we we have this great like throughout this entire season so far We've had like six movies, 
of like these are buddy cops. Like this is very clearly going for that trope of buddy cop, but with yeah. a twist, right? All these little twists. And this movie is like the first time where there is that twist. We can see it on a piece of paper that there is a twist there, but they're not like doing buddy cop. They're not doing like the twist. They're just they're almost focusing only on the undead twist, and they're forgetting that oh, it's the un it's the undead buddy cop. So they don't have the like right. all those there's, buddy. There's cop nothing things. contrasting with no. the two buddies and their attitudes. Like the the character uh, Randy says at one point, like, "Oh, I get it. You're the nice cop, and he's the tough one." And it's just kind of like, not really. Like that's not really what's happening. No. Exactly. Like he's the undead cop. That's what's different. But even like once that but... happens, they don't really like like there's they don't do a lot of. I thought they were gonna do way more like like zombie humor, and they do very little type of thing right like, like with his impervious i thought it'd be funny like, if they it's did that a, last you know, scene where he gets to be shot but yeah yeah but like i thought they'd be funny if they did like a whole scene where it was like joe piscopo used treat williams as a, a human shield and he like he's like cover me and he literally just stands in front of him and like he's shooting out from behind him and treat williams is yeah. just shooting you're right that's the gag that writes it's yeah why didn't that happen <laughs> yeah. like that would have made sense as they have a shootout with those two guys yeah. at the house like why wasn't it run from behind the couch well they even have a shootout where like tree williams gets shot and he walks away Mortis. from it but like yeah just have this like funny like play off the action hero buddy cop genre have mm. like and then maybe like like if you want to play treat as like more straight lights guy who becomes like not straight unhinged yeah unhinged yeah. uh have like him be like no like i can't i don't want to get my my like like my the bullets won't kill me but i don't get my suit dirty or something like that you know right he just gets shot up and doesn't care doesn't care and like they're the ones that have to remind him like hey you probably shouldn't dress like that because you look insane it's like oh yeah right but it's like at least like he wore a suit so instead of making him be like oh i shouldn't wear a suit just make him he wears suits and he's a straight lace guy and he's like oh i got shot and it's like literally the scene after he gets shot he stands up he's like Oh man, I ruined my favorite suit. Instead of like oh, focusing, man. even if he was the guy that got all of like uh, Doug's lines of just like, oh, this is gross. But he's the dead one. Yeah, like that would be like That's... just like, oh man, because there was a little bit of that with the lipstick thing. Like, oh, I look kind of pale. But they don't really no. go down that avenue of him being upset with his his decay. Mm-hmm. Well, it like even think about like how funny it would be like fact. he stands up. He's been shot three times, and the fir- and the thing he's worried about is he ruined his suit. Mm-hmm. Like he's not worried about the bullets or the blood. He's just like, oh man, oh man, this suit. is Italian or whatever. Yeah. yeah, something like just these simple gags are just there. Yeah, but I guess the the other brother would have written that in. It would have been a <laughs> legendary eighties <laughs> film. But oh yeah. well, I still had like a generally okay time. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going into this like with like hype for a horror action movie. I was just kind of like not in that space. Yes, but when it was happening, I was like, okay, you know, Vincent. I have Vincent Price to look forward to. I like the tone of some of this. Like this, this is mostly working. Yep. Uh, but yeah, if I know we don't do like least valuable player, but Joe was like <laughs> the one really bringing this down a category for me of just like I don't find anything this guy is saying funny, and then he's just like weirdly like sw- jacked up, like he's just like yeah. look at my muscles, I'm Joe Piscopo. And it's like what? Why is that funny? Like he's just. I guess it makes him sort of an intimidating like villain for twelve seconds towards the end of the movie. Yeah, but but against an undead guy, like they're both undead, so what's going to happen? Well, they could do the Barbosa versus Sparrow joke where they just fight forever or something. That's true, and can't kill each other mm-hmm. before he reanimates. That might have been worth a moment, yeah. but oh well. I <laughs> yeah, Joe wasn't a big. I actually was going into this movie more excited because I've never seen Joe. 
outside of Saturday Night Live. So I was like, oh, what's this guy? Like, what what did he bring post-Saturday Night Live? Okay. Nothing. Yeah, I've only really seen him in, like, a Next Generation Star Trek episode. <laughs> so I had limited exposure to him as well. Uh, so but... Richard, like, Robert Picardo brought him, brought him up to Star Trek after him? Huh? I don't well, I don't know who made it into Star Trek first. I think this episode predates like uh First Contact and Voyager and everything. Picardo so. is a Deep Space Nine person. Or Voyager. No, no, he's Voyager. He's okay. the, he's the doctor on Voyager. And he's that character gets introduced in First Contact. Gotcha. Yeah, but as a hol- he's a hologram doctor, right? Yeah, he's a hologram. Okay. But uh I'm pretty sure Joe beat him to the Star Trek pool. Yeah, I'm just on, checking right on... now, because he was ninety five. Picardo was ninety five. Yeah, I'm just checking. Not Joe doesn't have like a a huge like cinematography thing. <laughs> like the context of oh, it same is year. like right. It's the same year. What? Like the same year that he did Dead Heat, he was on Star Trek Next Generation. Oh, right. So it's an early season episode. Yeah, season okay. 2. That makes sense, yeah. Like Riker wants to know what stand-up comedy was yes. and loads up Joe Piscopo, <laughs> which is hilarious. <laughs> Yeah. If you had like the, the world's database, it's like I guess if you had a world's database on a limit. Oh, but he's playing Jerry Lewis. Like he's literally. Oh, he's not even playing himself. No, like look, that's him right there. That's clearly playing Jerry Lewis. Oh, that in this picture, yes, he's doing a Jerry Lewis bit. But yeah. I bet like that's who he's. He's called just the comic. That's he's his just the comic. Thing? I think he's he's supposed to be like a contemporary '80s comedian. But why just, would like, he be dressed up as was. Jerry Lewis though? I'm pretty sure what you're looking at isn't from that episode. I'm looking at it, and it's actually from this episode. So I don't know how you could say that because that's I'm, I'm on di- IMDb. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that's a screenshot from just the roast with of da- with data standing right beside him. <laughs> yeah, it was a weird roast, Brent Spiner. I don't know. It's been years since I've seen it, but <laughs> no, no, it can't be. I was like, well, Data's standing there right beside him. Hey, crappy impressions also part of the comedy wheelhouse. So maybe he's just doing a Jerry Lewis bit. Anyway, and I, I don't want to rag on Joe too hard, but I, it was my least favorite part of the movie. That's fine. Uh, but okay. And then we get to the end credits, and a song plays that's co-written by Patrick Reed Johnson. And he's also the second unit director, and I was curious about this guy, so I looked into, like, I've seen that name. He created Dragonheart and also directed Baby da- Baby's Day Out. Oh, So man. I just wanted to acknowledge that dude's legacy, because <laughs> uh, I like one of those things. And there's way too many sequels to Dragonheart that I also didn't know happened. There's like a bunch of direct to video stuff. He wrote, he wrote Dragonheart, and he also did Spaced Avenger Invaders. What's that? It's like that comedy movie with like in like these aliens come down to Earth, but they're like kind of dimwitted. It's like a comedy. Oh. Okay. It came out when I was a kid. I remember seeing. He wrote and directed it. So Patrick Reed Johnson just wanted to shout him out from the credits as well. Uh, but I don't know. In summary, like it's like an 80 minute movie. Some of it's fun and I thought it ended well. So, you know, solid B. I don't know. It was, it was pretty good. Solid, solid. Yeah. B. I, I don't think I'd rate it that high, but I understand what you're saying for sure. Okay. Uh, but okay. Enough with the least valuable players. We're going to get to the most valuable. Who did you feel? Oh, wait, I go first. Cause you read the summary. I, I wanted to give it this week to Darren McGavin, like the doctor. Yep. Because I, I, as soon as I saw Vincent Price's name on screen, I was like stoked for that. Yep. Whereas this guy, I like totally blindsided me. I didn't know that character was like anything about it. And it was just a delight every time he was there. Mm-hmm. He was hitting the perfect notes for like obviously sinister, but like 
hiding it under like fake geniality or whatever mm-hmm. like he did a great job at that so uh darren mcgavin is is my number one guy this time uh so for me it's it's vincent price like okay. I, cause mainly I, I, because he, I missed he was obviously like yeah. in my mind too but, yeah. but mainly because like i didn't catch his name at the in the credits i think i was doing mm-hmm. something else while the credits were playing and uh, we were looking up the cinematography gaff i was like, pretty frustrated screw this up uh, yeah but i missed his name and so when he did show up i was like done like it's already finished like it's in the bag Vincent Price will be my number one. And then, like, yeah, he had that VHS scene, and it's like, okay, this isn't amazing, but it's still Vincent Price, and obviously Vincent Price is Vincent Price. But then he he does get to come back and do a little bit of relish on top of everything. And, like, I don't know, like, where was your, like, where did you first see Vincent Price in your life? Like, when did you first come across him? Oh, man. Oh, dude, okay. His voice as Radigan. That's it. That was it for me. Oh, that's tough. Okay. All right, I guess that makes sense. That makes sense. I think that I would have to be the same, but I didn't know it was Vincent Price at the time. Right. So the first right. time I really came across Vincent Price as we know him, like seeing him, mm-hmm. was uh, he played Egghead on uh, Oh, on old Batman. Batman stuff? Yeah. Yeah. That was like the first – that was the first really big one for me where I was like – Okay, like this guy was like – and weird. Egghead was one of my favorite villains, like even though he's so lame. He literally just says egg stuff all the time, like egg puns. And it's like, I liked him as a kid. And it was because, like, yeah, Vincent Price. Egg puns. Yeah, Yeah. Vincent Price is next level. But, uh, yeah, no, Radigan was definitely a huge part of my childhood. Like, that was, Great Mouse Detective is a great film. Oh, and he, yeah, he just gets to do his voice acting stuff in in Great Mouse Detective. So, yeah, I love that. And then at some early-ish juncture, I saw him in uh, Edward Scissorhands. Yep. which is kind of one of his very last things. Yes. But uh yeah, the and only recently I finally watched like one of his what is it? House on Haunted Hill, like the old one? The original like, one. Yeah, a, yeah. The one that yeah. that uh what's his face is playing like a caricature. I saw it colorized too, which is like what are you why is this uh, the one that's on Prime Video, but it was like no, Ted Turner messed this up and here oh, we go. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was on. like, well, I'm just going to leave this on cuz whatever. Uh but yeah, he he gets to play in his wheelhouse there. And actually that that movie I didn't realize like was the source of the skeleton footage from a Amazing Stories episode that freaked me out when I was a little kid. <laughs> So then when I finally got to the last act and the skeleton happened, I was like, oh, this, this movie this is amazing. And in this context, this is actually hilarious because it's a fake skeleton in the movie. Yeah. Like, it's not real. What's so the context of Amazing Stories? It's not an actually reanimated thing. So, yeah. What's the context in Amazing Stories? Oh, in Amazing Stories, it's just something a kid turns on the TV and sees it and freaks out. And so did I as, like, a four-year-old or whatever. And then... It's like, no, that that's like they're bamboozling somebody by pretending a skeleton came back to life. Yeah, yeah. And it has Vincent Price's voice and he's like puppeteering it and stuff. Anyway, Vincent Price, uh, he's great. Yes. I, I totally support your decision. It was like basically his category for me. Yep. But I was like, I expected him to be great. I didn't know the dad from A Christmas Story was going to be here and he nailed it too. So I, I was happy with the villainy going on. Yes. In this movie, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Uh, okay so uh, that's that's it that's dead heat have you that's all i have i hear you have a question oh yeah let's do the question segment uh this is also maybe gonna spin a little negative so i'm sorry about that but i just want to clarify something with you about a performer in the film industry 
uh, that you seem to have some sort of disdain for, and I want to know where it happened, like how it came to be. Why? What's with Greg Kinnear? Why don't you like anything that dude does? Sorry, who's which one's Greg Kinnear again? <laughs> Greg Kinnear. Uh, he's in as good as it gets. I know who he, he is. That, that's the point. I that know. is the entire argument on why why Greg Kinnear. It's because so he disappears into the roles. So there's right? this great there's this great gag. Uh, this is this is gonna explain it for you. There's this great gag. I already predated you and I have talked about how much like Greg Kinnear is like. I don't dislike Greg Kinnear at all. He's just a hundred percent forgettable. Yeah. Okay. Like you remember you saw Ghost Town, right? We saw Ghost Town together with Ricky Gervais. Yeah. Yeah, with Ricky Gervais. Yeah. <laughs> I know Greg Kinnear's in it. I know Greg Kinnear's <laughs> in it. Uh, he's just because there's the gag in season two or three, I think three of Parks and Rec. It's called the Camel. Mm-hmm. They're doing this like uh, they're going to come up with a mural, a new mural to put inside Pawnee. And okay. they all come up with this thing. And Donna's project is like people from Pawnee, Indiana, which is not a lot of people. So eventually mm-hmm. she goes to Pawnee to eventually says, hey, like here's other people. And she points to at Greg Kinnear and they call him someone else. They literally like, – it's a picture of Greg Kinnear and they're like – yeah, it's no, no. They're like Greg Kinnear from this movie, and it's not a movie he's from. And it's like, was he in that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. just like that is his whole career is like you second guessing. Wait, was he in that movie? And this actually started with you and I, Nathan, because there was a movie that I was certain he was in, or you th- certain he was in, and I was like, that wasn't Greg Kinnear. I, I can't remember. I can't pinpoint I know. what it is. But he yeah. also made a movie all about the invention of windshield wipers. <laughs> I've been I do cite that movie a lot, even though I've never seen it. As just kind of like, it's supposed to be like the little guy versus like big business, and like he innovated windshield wipers, and Ford just stole it or whatever. But yeah, the idea that like the joke became like, wow, there's a biopic about like this this super minor inventor. Like, what are we doing? Like, okay, even this. Like, I'm looking at his list of movies that he's been in. Yes, you yeah. said as good as it gets, which I it's one of the few that I actually remember he's in. I actually remember okay. he's in he's as good as it gets. But like yeah. Little Miss Sunshine, one hundred percent do never think about he's in that movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's like the dad. Yeah. But who's but the fact about him? the fact that you just yeah. said, Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. No, you or got me. It's like the I'm Sabrina Arkin. The Sabrina yeah. remake with like Julia Ormond and uh, Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford? He's the attractive brother. Oh, exactly. Uh, you've got mail. Tom Hanks and that's Tom and, Hanks and Meg Ryan. <laughs> exactly. Like, I don't but she's is he that. is Meg Ryan's original boyfriend or fiance. Okay. Like I'm just looking at these movies and I'm being like, oh yeah, like I'm I'm doing the oh yeah thing. Like I can't think of a movie that Greg Kinnear's in, but he's in so many movies I've seen. Mm. He's in Baby Mama. I was talking about Baby Mama <laughs> the other day, and you know who I remember from Baby Mama? Tina Fey, Steve Martin. Amy Mo- Amy Poehler, and Steve Martin. That's who I yeah. remember. Uh, I just I can't I can't man. What is this movie called? The one with the um windshield wipers. Flash of Genius. Flash of Genius. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. No, I know I I know of that movie. I never gave it a fair shake because I just like shrugged it off. Yeah, it's got but, Alan Alda yeah. though, so maybe. Maybe it's got something, right? Because it's got Alan Alda. Alan Alda would... I could watch a movie for Alan Alda. Oh, man. He's in he's in Bad News Bears with Billy Bob Thornton. I've seen that film. He's in Stuck on You, but he's... I forgot that he's the other brother. I was like, yeah, the movie with Matt Damon and somebody else. 
they're literally on screen together. Like, he said we were soldiers. I love we were soldiers, and he, I can't even remember who he is in that movie. Okay, with like so there's uh, this, like there's this like fog around him that makes him just blend into the background. He's in Mystery Men. I just watched Mystery Men again. He's wait, where is he? I can't. Oh, he's like he's the big bat. He's the main. I think superhero. he's at the beginning. Like he's, he's like, like the handsome, dashing yeah. superhero that oh, gets my ousted. Goodness. Or As I was looking yeah. through the poster, I was like, "Where is he on this poster? I can't remember him." Oh yeah, he is in this movie. Nathan, yeah. that is his entire career. Is like, oh yeah, he is in this movie. Uh, also, he's in this movie called Dear God when I was a uh, kid, and mm-hmm. it was like when letters written to God start getting results and replies, people everywhere are amazed. The post office is, however, annoyed. Uh, yeah. He, like, is returning letters. It's a Gary Marshall film. It's really bad. It's from the 90s. Oh, okay, wait. So is the conceit, like, he's writing these letters back yes. as God? Yes. Okay, okay. So it's like, oh, I'm just helping people get a little hope, you yeah. know? Like, But okay. it's, like, it's like one of those Gary it. Marshalls. I don't know. It's just the fact that Nathan, like, I don't have any, like, big beef with Greg Kinnear because that would, that would, like, defeat the entire purpose of my argument is to have a big beef because then I care about him. The fact sure. of the matter is it's my just... entire argument is that I listed off of movies for you and you were like, oh yeah, on most I of them. I was surprised by like at least six of those, yeah. Because you've seen oh, a right. few of those and you're like, oh yeah, he's in those. Like, yeah, it's a movie where you'd watch it and he would never be the MVP of it. No. He just was kind of there. Yes. <laughs> that is his entire yeah. career. Except maybe Flash of Genius, so we're going to have to shoehorn that in. Down the, the only line. one for me, like I said, is as good as it gets, and I don't know why that one specifically. Maybe because he's, he's my least favorite part of that entire film. Mm-hmm. He's what stop, makes me stop watching that film. I love Jack Nicholson in that movie. So, <laughs> okay. Anyways. Isn't Cuba Gooding in that? Yeah. 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 Anyway, it's been a long time since I've seen it. But okay. Thanks for... Thanks for I just wanted... I kept thinking about it, or I, I, I watched Autofocus. With Willem Dafoe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, and it's like, like he's the main Schrader. guy. He's, he's the main, the main guy, guy on that movie. And it's based upon, like, a, that thing is, like, that movie is, like, actually a good example where he is well cast because he looks so much like uh, Hogan's Heroes' main guy. Yeah. But it's a fascinating story behind the scenes of Hogan Heroes. Right. It it plays well off of his kind of, like, G-shucks, like, every man kind of thing. Yes. Like, it's like, wow, that guy has, like, a sordid life behind the scenes. Like, it kind of worked for that. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, okay. Thank, you know, thanks for going into it. I just kept thinking about it. But, okay. That's all for this week. Uh, thanks for listening. If you want a question answered, you can email ryan at okvo.ca or nathan at okvo.ca. Uh, I think speaking of stuck on you, uh, that was the Fairley Brothers, right? Yes. So next week we're looking at a movie they had a hand in, Osmosis Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, they directed the live action segments. <laughs> they had a hand in. They're the only credited directors on the entire film. I agree. I'm saying Tom Cito and Piet Kroon are getting overshadowed because they did all the animation stuff, Correct. which is where which the is buddy like, cops are. To be fair, and it's the biggest portion of the film. It's like a huge crime what they do, but... That's the Screen Actors or whatever. No, that's the Directors Guild for you, yeah. DGA. Uh, but okay, Tom Cito, Piet Kroon, and the Farrelly Brothers. Yeah. Uh, Osmosis Jones, which I, I'm assuming fits this category. <laughs> I don't know if either's really a cop, but they're investigating, right? Yep, yeah, they're definitely investigating. Okay. Uh, until then, this is Nathan. And this is Ryan. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye for now.